The Life Series. Powered by Amicus. With your host, Heather Story. Welcome back to the live series podcast brought to you by Amicus. This is the podcast that gives you insight into the life and role of tech leaders from all over the world. And today I'm joined by Chelsea Zucolo, he's CEO, uh, COO, sorry, over at Waymap. Uh, thanks for joining me, Chelsea. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Neil, and yourself, Heather. Thanks very much for having me today. Yeah, brilliant. I know when we when we chatted a little bit before, it was a really interesting conversation and I hadn't actually heard of Waymap before, but it's a pretty exciting thing that you guys are doing. Um, just obviously for anyone who hasn't heard of Waymap or yourself, just kind of go into a little bit about Waymap and, and then your role there too. Yeah, perfect. I'll give you a quick overview um, and then if it's of interest, I'll give you a bit of the background to the business because it's, you know, we are quite a unique business in that the history is fundamental to the product that we've built today but at a very high level we are an indoor localization slash indoor navigation business so we've built indoor navigation applications on ios and android that essentially can navigate people to one meter accuracy in any environment so that means inside of a train station a hospital a sports stadium basically wherever it might be we can work out where people are to a really really high degree of accuracy and we can then give them navigation instructions to a really high degree of fidelity about where the stairs are, where the refreshments venues are, where the bathrooms are, pretty much anywhere within that venue. Because we have such a high degree of accuracy, we can get you there. Um, so we we are a navigation business. I think one of the key differentiators between ourselves and you know the Google Maps, Apple Maps, City Mapper of the world is the indoor piece. So we do do outdoor navigation. But really, the technology that we've built is purpose-built for in for the indoor world. Um, and the first use case that we're deploying this technology for is navigating persons with disabilities. So kind of across um, a range of different disabilities, we've started with providing navigation for persons who are blind or partially sighted. And we built out the product to support persons with mobility impairments like uh, you know, wheelchair users, scooter users, for example, and we're expanding the product to, to support persons with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So early onset Alzheimer's, dementia, etc. And um, you know, we've we've got quite a cheesy slogan, which is anyone anywhere, but it really does encapsulate the vision of the business. You know, ideally, what we want to do is we want to allow anyone, regardless of their ability to get around. To be navigated around anywhere, whether that's outdoor, indoor, underground, etc. So that's a brief kind of overview of what the business does. Um, thank you very much for the intro again. I'm I work as the COO, so uh, across you know kind of cross sectional across the business, across fundraising, financials, sales, HR, uh, product development, and product road mapping. I'm I'm not an engineer myself, uh, but really looking across the business and and you know trying to assess market demand, make sure we're creating the right product for the market, and then making sure that, you know, we hit the right milestones along the way to be able to grow as a business. And hopefully that's a, a good little brief intro. I can, I can jump into a bit of the history if that's useful in a sec. 
Yeah, 100% go for it. I just wanted to know a little bit as well about kind of your journey towards becoming CEO, because I know you didn't come from this kind of background, did you? Yeah, so I, I come from a fully financial background. Um, I By training and kind of my, my career thus far has all been in finance, you know, for my sins. But kind of when I, you know, since I was young, I've always been really interested in in building stuff, let's say. <laughs> so my my father is an engineer, He's a really hands-on guy and, and you know from a young age pretty much every saturday sunday was spent in the garage building stuff you know what, whatever it might be on that specific day and i kind of you know i agreed to love that um but then you know I, when, I, when i was going to university i considered going into engineering going into finance and decided to rather go into finance but always had that love of of building things and also you know emerging technology uh, so i've always kept a really strong pulse on you know the industry across a number of different verticals and you know progressed my career through finance I ended up working at Deloitte here in London in their private equity equity capital markets team um, and you know, I got to a stage where I was looking to move into venture capital actually given my background um, and my interest in emerging technology I thought kind of the perfect fit for a person like myself is in venture capital because you take a kind of more financial view of new technologies, new teams, new products, et cetera. Um, and, you know, as I was looking to make that, that move, actually I was approached by somebody in my network who said, listen, there's this really cool, really small new idea. I wouldn't even call it a company then. This new idea called Waymap. Would you be willing to help them to raise some really early, you know, early stage seed funding build out the financial side of the business, some of the, you know, strategic road mapping, financial road mapping, data rooms, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, cool, fantastic. Let me, let me do that. So I started out actually fully on a pro bono basis, uh, providing support to the CEO on evenings, weekends, and very quickly became evenings, weekends, lunch breaks during the day. So I, I actually left what I was then doing and, and joined Waymap. Uh, on a kind of you know like a fullback role pretty much just jump in wherever you can and, and do whatever you can type of role which then matured into the COO role which I'm now doing which is you know kind of semi semi similar in terms of supporting the CEO across a number of different you know cross-sectional functions of the business um, but yeah that's that's how I actually got involved so it's always been a real passion and interest of mine but you know, segued into finance for a while, and then now I'm back in the in the world of tech, although with you know still a, a relatively strong financial angle. I really love that kind of perspective that you started off with about always building things, because um, it, it is a, the the amount of times that that comes up um, from from people like from engineers, for example, or from leaders generally. Usually, a lot of the time, it does start with something in the childhood like that. It's just constant yeah. building and structuring. So. Let's talk about the structure then at Waymap. Um, I'm presumably since you've been there pretty much from its birth, um, you had something to do with the structuring of the company. Like, just walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, sure thing. So, we have a relatively complicated system. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it an app. It's a, it's a system really with multiple different moving parts, and we've kind of built the team around the system. So, if I give you a flavor to the way it works, basically, the under the hood, we have a suite of algorithms um, that provide local localization, so that allows us to work out where people are. We use a technique called pedestrian dead reckoning, 
which is basically we consume the information from the sensors on the smartphone, uh, gyro, magnetometer, accelerometer, barometer. We apply some really smart mathematics to that. And that allows us to track people as they move through the built environment, which is why we can navigate people where there's no signal, which is, you know, fundamental from day one was we wanted to provide a system that would never lose you. So when you lost mobile signal, for example, Waymap wouldn't lose you. you know, so it was a very te technically difficult thing to do. Um, and the whole world of navigation slash wayfinding is typically built on systems that work out where you are relative to the known position of infrastructure, whether that's you know a satellite, a Bluetooth beacon, a Wi-Fi router, whatever it might be. So we had to take this different approach to location. Um, so we built out a location technology team who are you know, really focused on some of the most exciting, um, interesting new technologies, as well as our current suite of algorithms, tuning, improving um, as we, you know, as we grow and learn more basically about ourselves and the system. Um, on top of that, we then have the application. So the application, or actually I'll, I'll, I'll go one layer down from that. We then have a map. Uh, so there's, there's kind of three pillars of the, of navigation. You need to know where somebody is, you need to know where they're on the map, and then you need to know what to tell them based on where they are on that map, if that makes sense. And that's how you get people around. So location is sorted. We have the location technology team, then maps, maps are fundamental. Uh, outdoor, a lot of the work's done for us because you know, you've got these big companies, Google, Apple have mapped the world. Um, indoor, like I said, is where we focus. So we have a team a mapping team that basically consume CAD in CAD drawings or LIDAR scans and turn those into maps for us. So we can work out where you are and where you are on that map. And then on top of that sits the application, which obviously has the user interface. It's what the user sees and, and cares about. Um, but the application also defines routes, for example. So if you say, I want to go from St. Pancras, you know, the entrance of St. Pancras to platform three, the application works out you know, what that shortest route looks like based on your preferences. Maybe you want to go step free, you want to avoid elevators because you might be claustrophobic, whatever that might be. So the application sits on top of that and also gives audio instructions as you move around. So in five steps, take the stairs down, for example. That's all worked out through algorithms that we've built in the app. So th those are the those are three of the four teams, location, maps app and on top of that we have a fair amount of the compute uh, running on our cloud infrastructure so we have a server-side team that basically do a lot of integration work for us because we also provide live train timetabling uh, you know elevator uptime escalator uptime that kind of stuff uh, they do all of that all of that work and they also have built a system where we host our maps so when you say, I want to go from point A to point B, the most up-to-date map gets delivered to the application from the cloud. So we've segregated the team based on those kind of four key competencies, um, which I've mentioned. But you know, because it's one system, what's important is even though you, you know, you've got these four teams, everyone needs to work together. So we've got quite a cross-functional team that meets you know, weekly to make sure that everything is, is working together and that the system is working properly together because th there are a couple of dependencies in the way that the whole the whole app comes together. 
Yeah, sure. You were wrong when you said it was a slightly complex structure. It's very interesting to hear, though. Um, I, I don't, with it being a startup, I'm always quite interested to hear how the structures kind of work out and how you even yeah. just start from scratch structuring a whole a whole bunch of teams. Um, but it sounds super interesting. Um, I personally think it's such a good idea. I couldn't, when you were explaining it to me before, um, it I just it's something that you just kind of think to yourself, I can't believe this isn't already happening. Like something like this, especially something that is so beneficial to, like you said, people with some disabilities that kind of like, don't make them as it, just their life. This would make their life so much easier. But even for someone who is just a bit lost in a train station, yeah. um, or something like that, it, it's almost it's so bizarre. Um, yeah. so I think you you're obviously doing a really great thing over there. Um, talk me through your kind of hiring process. Then, how fast are you guys growing? Is it you taking on many people? And and what what does your hiring process kind of look like? Yeah, so we are we are growing pretty quickly. Um, three years ago, like I said, we were probably four people, and um, where we are today, we are, you know we're pushing close to fifty people now. Last year, we probably doubled our headcount. So we're growing, you know, we're growing pretty quickly and i think we are coming to the start of a you know kind of hopefully a hockey stick growth uh curve but you know hiring is difficult it's it's really difficult uh we've grown up waymap has grown up during you know predominantly during covid and during a time when tech was just booming um, and that meant tech salaries went through the roof um, you had the google apple snaps metas just taking everybody uh quite frankly so it's tough it's tough to compete um you know as a small startup with every hire i think credibility gets added and, and it becomes a little bit easier the network that you have of kind of friend of the friends grows exponentially with each person you add so sourcing talent becomes easier um but i think something that's that's been fundamental for us is the mission so you know when when somebody's considering going to Waymap or to Google, for example, predominantly that decision to come to us rather than to go there is because they believe in what we're doing, in the mission of getting persons with disabilities around the indoor world, the outdoor world, absolutely everywhere. Um, so that you know that's been a really strong tool for us. Um, and you know, just to give you some of the some of the stats for you know, if we look specifically at persons who are blind or visually impaired, the average blind or visually impaired person does 2.5 routes regularly. So that's, you know, going to the pub or going to the pharmacy uh, and, you know, maybe one more if you, you know, if, if you are really a, a very competent person in terms of orientation and mobility. And the reason for that is that people, people who are blind have to commit those routes fully to memory so it's a really, really high cognitive load. So what Waymap is offering is we're offering to take those 2.5 routes and expand them to every single route that you could possibly do. Uh, so there's a really strong impact angle, which helps us in our hiring. Um, but I think going back to your question, in the early days, it's about leveraging your network for sure. Um, and you know, it, it's a constant process of selling. You're selling whether you're speaking to customers, whether you're raising money, whether you're hiring talent because people need to believe in what you're doing and the kind of trajectory of what you're doing to get quality people. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. I think I, I might've gone off in a bit of a tangent, but. Um, no, it it's... definitely does. I think it was interesting as well, the way that you kind of said about um, kind of Google versus Waymap in terms of what people want from a company. Yeah. I think 
it's almost like um it, it it's such a good cause and that obviously would appeal to someone who who is you know like well basically I'm just repeating what you said essentially but someone who's genuine about what they want to do day to day um do you think that there's also a little bit of a mindset from people that say that was you know give that google example just to keep up that um do you think that there's a, a more of a mindset for startups do, do you think people like you say when tech was booming do you think people kind of look at a startup and think yeah like they see opportunities to progress easier they have definitely more opportunities to kind of run a team or something like that like do you, have you found that at all or yeah, yeah i mean most most definitely uh, so yeah, I think what we see quite often is is people who might be stagnating in their in their career. Um, you know, they've been doing a similar role for a number of years. Don't feel like they're progressing. You know, they might be progressing up the, the ranks, but they don't feel like they're progressing intellectually potentially. Uh, so part of it is is progression in terms of role um, and growing with the business. But I think part of it is also the intellectual challenge. So we've managed to hire some incredibly smart people because we're doing something really difficult. Uh, so, you know, and, and typically, you know, that those A-type people want to come and solve the most difficult problems um, and working out where somebody is to a meter accuracy while 100 meters underground is just a really difficult problem. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's part of it is progression. Part of it is also the right, you know, offering people the right challenge that allows them to grow intellectually and come to work every day challenging themselves rather than, you know, doing the same role that they've been doing for a number of years within a very corporate framework. Um, you know, so part of it is also that is, is breaking out into a, a, a new role where you have a greater bandwidth to do things beyond kind of your X, Y, and Z job description. And so I think it's a combination of a number of, a number of things, but it's, you know, it is obviously a very difficult thing. And it's something that all startups face is hiring quality talent because I'm I'm genuinely a very strong believer. It's just, you know, a company is a collection of people. That's all it is. So if you have the wrong people, particularly those first 10, 20 hires, you set yourself up on the wrong trajectory. Whereas if you get the right people, then, you know, that kind of culture mindset just, uh, you know, expands as they take on new people and, and new roles. Yeah, I love that. I agree with that as well. I think that's a really nice outlook to have. Um, especially when a company's starting off. Um, let's let's just talk about that then. So, how do you, especially as a startup, but how generally do you kind of set your standards when you're hiring someone in? Like, what do those standards look like? How do you yeah. kind of liaise almost with your colleagues to kind of make sure it's like right? Do these kind of really meet what we need? Yeah. So, in terms of standards, one of the hardest things being in a startup is kind of trying to work out where you're going to be in three months. So it's much easier if you're a, a big corporate business, you can plan for the next 12 months. There's much less uncertainty. As a startup, it's much harder to say, this is where we're going to be in four months time. And therefore we need to start actively recruiting for X, Y, and Z roles now, because naturally there's a lead time, particularly if you want quality people. So one of the best ways I think of managing standards is managing internally as much as you can, your forecasting and understanding what roles you'll need when, so that you aren't panicking to get people in next week. Uh, you know that's that's the number one way that you you know you get in people who are potentially lower standards than you might want. Uh, so I think you know having a really really a strong finger on the pulse of what's coming is really important. Um, and then also you know we have a set process that we don't deviate from 
regardless of the rush to get somebody in circumstances, whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, there's four or five different stages. Everybody pretty much needs to sign off and agree on that. Um, and myself and the CEO still hire everybody that comes in. And I think, you know, one thing that might be unique about us is technical competence is, is one thing. So technical competence gets you in the door, but really we try to be very honest about who we are, what we do and what the expectations are. Um, as in, you know, we're an early stage business the challenge is difficult, you know, do you, is that the kind of, uh, you, you know, the kind of challenge you want to take on? So I think honesty in, in the process is really important because it doesn't help bringing on somebody who's a great, you know, a really talented person who then arrives on day one and says, okay, this isn't quite what I was told I was getting into. And um, so honesty in the process and looking for somebody who's, who's a culture fit. And like I said before, the, you know, is believes in the mission because the mission is is you know the number one way that I think you can continue to motivate yourself day to day today to yeah you know, to work hard and and to to grow within the business. Yeah, I love that, and I'm so pleased that you um you you began kind of talking about culture fits there as well because it segued me perfectly into into kind of my next thing that I wanted to to yeah. to pinpoint. Um, in terms of managing a culture within a startup, how on earth do you even do that? <laughs> it's it's tough it's really really tough i mean and i think it's made even more tough by the fact that like i said earlier we grew up during covid um as a result we are a predominantly remote team uh you know i, I didn't meet the vast majority of our team members for two years as we grew so we grew on you know on the screen like this and you know obviously everybody has a different opinion to, toward remote working i think remote, remote working is fantastic but I also think that the human connection of being together is something that's really hard to replicate um, over the screen. So managing culture, it makes managing culture much more difficult. It makes communication much more difficult. And um, so what we've done is implemented a number of different programs to improve communication and also just to get to know one another. Uh, so, you know, we meet, our team is distributed across Europe, a couple of people in South Africa, a couple in the United States. And we basically meet together in person as a team once a quarter to make sure that we have you know a bit of a strategy day. Everybody understands everything that's going on the, with the business, whether or not it directly impacts them. And also you have a bit of time to actually get to know one another, you know, get to know the person who you might teams message every second day beyond just their name and their job title. So I think, you know, we believe in the in-person element. Um, we, we won't go back to fully in-person uh, that's not the you know the roadmap of where we're going, but I think a blended approach is really powerful. Um, and again, I also think honesty in terms of what your corporate culture is is really important. There's, you know, I think clearly defining that corporate culture makes sure you find the right people that want to be part of that. Um, so I think it's a it's a combination of those different factors. But yeah, it's really it's really hard. And and I think culture is one of the things that as you get busier it kind of just drops off, but you need to keep reminding yourself of how important it is. Um, and doing those things, you know, when you're looking at your prioritization in, in terms of tasks, it's very easy to, to, you know, let the culture things drop, but you need to keep those, you know, front and center in your mind, I think. Yeah, I think it is very important, isn't it, culture? And it is, it's interesting to hear how kind of different companies manage different ways because there's so much kind of, 
there's such a vast um like kind of different ways of flexible working there's kind of all it's not just kind of like oh well you're in the office so how do you see your company yeah. deal with this it's like every single company has some kind of variation on the way they work therefore yeah. their culture is very uh, varied as well in the way that it's managed and it's very interesting to hear about um and it sounds like you're doing a great job over there as well it's great to meet yeah. thank you thank you and one thing i'll add is, is you know we've like i said we are blended but we've also got a very trusting culture so you know we trust people from day one because you know we might hire somebody who's based in greece that they're going to do their job and do it really well um so i think trust is really important in a you know in a company where people are remote uh or we're not meeting every day you need to be able to trust that when you go through a prioritization and you know align a couple or supply a couple of tasks for somebody to do you can trust them to get on with that so trust is really important but the human factor from a social point of view i think is really really important too yeah i agree with that definitely the social side of things i think um in our office for example we, we work from home like kind of two days a week and and i maybe just take one day a week sometimes because that's even after one day i'm like right get me back in the office. <laughs> can't do this anymore yeah going a bit crazy um but you are right trust is absolutely top priority isn't it especially yeah. it is anyway but in a remote team it's it's you literally can't function without it um yeah. so yeah that's that's a great point um I've got a penultimate question for you now. Um, mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a vague one, but it's it's generally kind of, obviously I'm learning a lot listening about Waymap and, and like yeah. I said before, it is something that I think, I think personally is groundbreaking and is such a good idea and I can't wait to kind of see it take off essentially and be that kind of useful tool for, for people. I feel like it's going to be a bit of a household name. I hope it is anyway, because it sounds so, so handy. Um, what is the kind of current tech landscape um, and where does Waymap kind of fall into that? And what, what does the future look like for Waymap? Yeah, that's, well, thank you very much for your kind words, Heather. I also hope we will be a household name in the next couple of years. But um, yeah, that's a really good question you bring up there because there's actually, there's a ton happening in the space we work in, not not directly, but I think indirectly. So if you look at the, the world of kind of, metaverse slash mixed reality there's a number of very big tech players investing in complementary technologies not quite competitive technologies but complementary technologies uh, with a view of applying a mixed reality lens to the real world so you know how does the metaverse overlay on the indoor world for example you know one of the early examples of that was pokemon go using location-based um using a location-based product to create a kind of mixed reality experience and i think the natural next step will be moving that indoor to some extent we don't know what that kind of looks like yet because the technology hasn't been there yet um, so i think we are leading the space on the, on the indoor front but there's some some interesting like i said tangential technologies uh, one of the big ones being smart glasses for example so yeah, smart glasses have been talked about for a long, long time. And you know, Google had it, they had a go, they failed, they went back to the drawing board. But you know, I'm a I'm a strong believer. I think they are coming at some stage, whether it's next year, five years, or ten years. Um obviously a big blocker is is um you know personal user adoption. So they need to fundamentally be cool. But the net effect is when you have a high adoption of people wearing smart glasses, potentially with cameras on them 
is a whole bunch of things you can do with computer vision. And WayMap, we've just started investing in our suite of computer vision technologies um, because you can localize people quite well, uh, not as well as you can yet with the sensors because there's a couple of difficulties with light conditions and changing environments and whatnot, but it adds a really nice secondary layer. And it also adds a really nice uh, user interface it, you know, with smart glasses because you could have your navigation instructions you know, right there on, on your lens, you know, turn, turn left on that corridor, turn right down that corridor. So smart glasses are, are really, really um, quite interesting. Um, I think 5G and edge computing on the 5G network is something that we've looked at for a while. And, and we're speaking to a couple of the big telecoms, mainly in North America, about doing some work with 5G edge computing. Uh, basically moving our suites of computation off of the phone and onto uh, onto the edge. And there's some really interesting things we can do uh, by supplying a really, well, our vision is to supply a low cost wearable device, kind of like a running chip. If you've seen one of those to get for a, you know, a half marathon or something that you could wear, and then we could provide our location and navigation instructions just with that, no need for a smartphone. Um, and there's some, you know, there's some powerful social applications for that, for persons who, who don't have enough money to buy a smartphone. Uh, you can help to monitor, obviously with consent, homeless people allow them, you know, allow the charities to, who serve them to monitor where they are, get food to them, get help, help and services to them, again, with consent. But 5G, there's a lot of interesting stuff. Like I said, the wearable space with computer vision um, and also the general suite of, of wearables. So, you know, for example, these Apple Watches, all of the sensors that we use, well, not all of them, some of the sensors that we use on the cell phone are, are being built into these watch wearables. So there's a story where we could provide really accurate navigation using a, a smart a smart watch. But it, it's, a, it's a super interesting landscape at the moment. One thing that's you know hot off the press is I heard yesterday that <clears throat> people were using chat GPT to do object identification um, so saying this is XYZ corner shop, for example, example. So yeah, I, I don't know how they're doing that yet, but very interesting um, as a kind of augmentation of our product. So there's a lot, a lot of stuff happening, uh, not like I said, not directly in our space, but complementary technologies that are going to continue to build out what I kind of see as the infrastructure layer of location services. You know, if you think the infrastructure layer or a number of the different apps we use is is GPS. So, you know, Uber, Deliveroo, all these location-based products. I think that's going to happen indoor. It's just, we need to get the infrastructure layer of technology right. I think, you know, we are, that's that's one of our goals is, is to get that infrastructure layer right so that people can build a suite of really exciting products and services on top of our technology. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a super interesting space at the moment, and I'm I'm very glad to be involved in it because there's a bunch of very smart people doing very interesting things. So sorry for that long-winded answer. Don't be sorry whatsoever. You're, you're absolutely right. It is extremely interesting, um, especially that thing. Which I, I didn't know that the object identification. That had like, how are they even doing that? It's that I mean, <laughs> thing kind of blows my mind to be honest. Like, um, but yeah, that's incredible stuff and. 
And yeah, even augmented reality and things like that. I didn't even it didn't even occur to me to 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 kind of yeah. bring that up when you when you're talking about location and, and GPS and and it's but it's mapping, isn't it? So it didn't make sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, super interesting, honestly. Um, I've just got one final question for you then. Um, and that is the very simple question of what advice uh, would you have for for kind of professionals in tech or professionals from any background um, looking to be in a similar position to you? Um, so I think I would say probably the same answer I give to most people I, I speak to is <clears throat> you've got to take risks. You've, you know, you've got to, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to progress into this world of, of technology. And I think to progress into, for most people to progress into very interesting new parts of their career. Um, there, there's an old kind of adage, I don't know whether it's true or not, so just a caveat, but there's this old adage that in, I think, Mandarin, the symbol for risk is a combination of the symbol for danger and the symbol for opportunity, which I think sums it up really nicely. You know, with too, my opinion is that too many people see risk as something that should be avoided, which I think is completely the, the wrong way to look at it. I think risk is something that needs to be accepted but mitigated and calculated. So I do think, you know, my advice to most people is you need to be willing to take risks, but you also need to work out how to identify what high quality risk is as opposed to low quality risk. You know, so taking calculated risks in the space. Um, you know, there's also Tim Ferriss in one of his books says, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, the first thing you should do is go to your local Starbucks and lie on the floor. And the reason he says that is very strange, but the reason he says that is you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And one of the most uncomfortable things you could ever do is go lie on the floor in your local Starbucks. Um, so I think it's it's kind of that. You, you need to be willing to take that risk, willing to be uncomfortable um, and potentially willing for a few people to say, you know, what, what are you doing? This is the wrong idea. Um, but obviously it's up to the individual to work out what that right, wrong idea is. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a perfect answer. I love that example as well. What what an interesting thing. I wonder if anyone's actually gone and done that. And someone oh, I've never read that book again. Done, yeah. Another one's read the book. All right, okay. <laughs> Get them a coffee. Um, <laughs> uh, Chelsea, honestly, it's it's been an extremely insightful um episode. Um, and if anyone listening or watching, I'll put a link down to. Uh, to Waymap and, and everything that's going on down there and maybe we can get you back on in six months time and, and see where Waymap is at and see what, what you've been up to and stuff that'd be really cool um, to kind of dive into that, that'd be wicked Amazing, well thank you very much Heather it was a pleasure to chat with you today thanks so much for having me that's absolutely fine and I'll definitely get you back on again don't you worry um, so if you're watching on YouTube you can hover over the logo in the corner hit subscribe uh, follow us over on Insta Twitter Facebook LinkedIn and TikTok and head to amicusjobs.com for all the rest of the podcast episodes and everything else that's going on there in the community Chelsea thank you again